G'day, Troy Dean here from WP Elevation, and welcome to episode 32 of the WP Elevation podcast. In this week, our feature guest is Dave Jennings from Melbourne SEO Services and Melbourne Video Productions. And in this episode, you're going to learn a lot about how traditional SEO is dead and what you can be doing to mitigate the risks of losing your uh, your visibility online because Google keep moving the goalposts. Dave is a big believer and is very passionate about authority content marketing and positioning yourself as an authority in your marketplace. Dave has done it very well himself in his businesses and is very successful and has done it very well with lots and lots of clients and he's going to teach us a lot and give us all of his insights today uh, about how you can go about creating remarkable, compelling content that helps position you as an authority in your marketplace. And he has some great step-by-step processes that he's going to walk us through as to how we can do that. The other thing to be aware of is I'm sitting down right now, and that's because I just walked 100 kilometers uh, on the weekend in 33 hours and eight minutes without sleep to raise money for Oxfam. So if I look like I'm in pain in this interview, it's because I am. Uh, I am in the most pain I've ever been in in my life. So please bear with me. Uh, And in the competition for this week, we are giving away a recording of Dave's authority content workshop, which he is running here in Melbourne on the 16th of May, which is tomorrow, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Dave has very kindly, now the workshop sells for $4.95 and is sold out. I'm actually going along. Uh, The recording will sell for $3.95 and Dave is going to give one lucky reader or viewer of the podcast a copy of that recording. Uh, Stick around and watch the interview for details on how to learn, learn how to enter that competition. Please forgive me, I am in a lot of pain. I'm on painkillers and I'm doing my best. Uh, So stick around and watch the interview to learn how to enter that competition. Uh, This is an epic interview. Uh, Dave really doesn't hold back on anything. He gives us all of his knowledge on how you can use content and particularly authority content to position yourself as the trusted expert and the authority in your marketplace to generate leads and find new customers for your business. Stay with us, let's elevate. This is the WP Elevation Podcast, helping WordPress consultants elevate. This episode of the WP Elevation Podcast is brought to you by Obox Mobile. You can learn more at wpelevation.com slash oboxmobile. That's O-B-O-X-M-O-B-I-L-E. It's all one word, no spaces or hyphens. Obox Mobile is a great plugin available at Code Canyon for only $35.00 which essentially allows you to turn your WordPress website into a mobile version of that site that kind of looks and feels almost like a native app. So it's not just a responsive version of your site, it's a mobile-friendly version of your site. The reason I like this is because it allows me to sell mobile versions of websites to clients and use something like Obox Mobile to optimize my development process and deliver those mobile versions of websites at a very high profit margin. Obox Mobile is very well developed and very well backed up uh, by the guys at Obox, and it is available at Code Canyon for only $35. So check out wpelevation.com slash oboxmobile for a video walkthrough on how the plugin works and some extra resources that will help you start driving more revenue and start selling mobile versions of websites in your business. All right, the elevation tip of the week this week is make some video content. I cannot tell you how much video content will help your business. You don't have to do something crazy like I did when I made the 101 ways to elevate yourself and demand higher fees uh, video series. And yes, there is actually 103 videos in that series. Um, But you don't have to do something as crazy as that. But I would suggest just make some video content for your business. Video is becoming more and more important for Google search results. We know that Google loves video and we know that people love video. People love watching videos and learning things. It keeps them on your site longer and it's a great way to position yourself as an authority in your marketplace, which is what this episode of the podcast is all about. Our feature guest is Dave Jennings from Melbourne SEO Services and Melbourne Video Productions, and he is passionate about helping businesses and clients position themselves as an authority in their niche or their marketplace. He's done it very well, and he continues to teach his staff and his clients how to do it. So 
Without further ado, uh, and remember the competition this week, Dave is giving away a recording of one of his authority content workshops, which he's running in a couple of weeks here in Melbourne, which I'll be going along to. He's giving away the recording of that valued at $395. So watch the interview and learn how you can enter that competition. This is a, an amazing interview. It's an hour long. There is tons of gold in this. Uh, I strongly urge that you listen to what Dave's got to say because you will learn a lot from his experience. I mean, the man sold pieces of the MCG, which is a famous cricket and football stadium here in Melbourne. Uh, that was part of his uh, entrance into the entrepreneurial journey. He was selling parts of the MCG. It's a fascinating story, and he's got lots to give. Uh, without further ado, let's meet Dave Jennings. G'day, Troy Dean here from WP Elevation. Now, I'm very pleased to have with me all the way from Melbourne, Dave Jennings. Hey, Dave, how are you? Yeah, fantastic. Thanks for uh, inviting us along. Pleasure. Now, whereabouts are you? Are you working from the office, or are you, are you down the coast? I'm down the coast today. Oh, so. see, I had this thing lined up where I was going to say you are the the closest in proximity guest that I've ever had on the podcast because your office <laughs> is like 300 metres down the road from mine. But now you're working down the coast, so you're actually miles away. That's Yeah, yeah. So, But we're still in the same time zone, which is a good thing. Um, as I announced earlier, we are giving away a copy, a recording of Dave's authority content workshop uh, valued at 395 bucks, so you'll be able to get the video recordings of this workshop that Dave is running uh, as of tomorrow, I believe. This should be the 15th of May that this interview gets published. So tomorrow, Dave's running a live workshop here in Melbourne called Authority Content, and we're going to give away a copy of the recordings of that valued at 395 so stick around for details on how you can enter that competition a little bit later on. Hey, Dave Jennings, before we talk about all things entrepreneurial and WordPress-ish, uh, when you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? I wanted to be a chef. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. I, uh, I'm i not even too sure where it came from, but I always liked creating things. And I know food brings a lot of pleasure to people. And I think my family liked the idea whenever I'd cook something up. But then very quickly I realized, hang on, this is a lot of hard work and for very little pay and decided to go a different path. And it's not, it's not exactly the kind of thing you can scale either, is it? No, no, not at all. Unless you end up like a, uh, like a Jamie or, you know, one of the celebrity chefs where you, have, where you just become like a consultant to a whole chain of restaurants. Or, or maybe like setting up a McDonald's franchise or something like that. Yeah. And bricks and mortar's hard work, isn't it? Oh, been there, done that, won't do it again. Yeah. We did uh, a retail clothing music store and, uh, oh, that's hard yakka. Huh, let's talk about that a little bit later on. I wasn't aware of that. Um, so, uh, bricks and mortar, okay. Um, so, so when did you discover the internet and realise that, hey, I reckon I'm onto something here, I reckon I can make a career and a, and a business out of using the web? Uh, I, well, I first found out about the internet. I was using uh, BBSs, bulletin board systems, way back when. You and nerd. I know. Please don't <laughs> tell anyone. We're not recording this, are we? <laughs> my uh, my dad is a bit of a, a, a computer nerd, so the apple didn't fall far from the tree. And uh, we used to use BBSs to... I don't, I don't know if I should be saying this in a recording, but to download uh, games. Oh. So I used to use that. And then the, the next evolution of that was the internet. And then I got interested in internet marketing because a friend and I had created a product and we needed to market it. And we thought, hey, this internet thing is taking off. Wow. <laughs> so we, we learned how to market. Wow. So this was bef is this after the bricks and mortar thing or is this before the bricks and mortar thing? This was before. Right. So bricks and mortar, we're talking... Uh, Oh, yeah, actually, it would have been a little bit for all. Um, bricks and mortar was sort of early 2000s. Right. Um, so like 2001, 2002. Okay, let's, um, let's talk a little bit more about that in a moment. Um, but for our audience, who, as we know, are all WordPress consultants, when, did, when was the first time you saw the WordPress dashboard? Uh, I was actually using a platform called Make Your Site Sell or read a book called Make Your Site Sell uh, by a guy called Ken Evoy. And then he came out with his platform, which was called um, Site Build It. And just around that time, I started to learn about online marketing, starting to use different tools. And it was quite an expensive platform. It was like all-inclusive. So I started to look for some other uh, solutions as far as what we could use to, to roll out because we were starting to get multiple websites. And that's when I came across that. So that's have to be going back 
five, six years ago now. It was a very early version and I remember even coming across not more than a year or two ago some of those um, really old legacy versions of WordPress that we'd installed that we'd never updated. And it's, it's amazing to see how far it's come. Yeah, yeah. What, so why did you keep using WordPress when you first discovered it? What was it about it that, you, that, that, that kept you coming back? Uh, I think the speed at which it was developing, it's great to see such a community around one particular platform all sort of striving to improve it. And then once they started to add in things like plugins and widgets and all that sort of stuff, there's a very good chance if you can think it, someone else has already created it. Yeah. And I mean, we see it all the time with some of the businesses that we work with where someone might get tied into a specific CMS um, and, and the the website consultant does it by design. So every time that the, the client wants to get something changed, they have to go through them. And I never yeah. really liked that. I like the idea of delivering great value and um, not being tied into someone, but have someone come back to you recurring because they're enjoying the experience, not because you've got something hanging over the, the top of them. Yeah. And the problem with the proprietary stuff too is it's really hard to fire your clients if they're using your, your proprietary system. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Whereas with open source, you can just, you know, handball them off to someone else. <laughs> Not that I would, you know, handball a bad client to someone. Um, so, okay, thinking about what it is you do today with, uh, so your your businesses today are essentially Melbourne SEO services and Melbourne video productions, which we'll talk a little bit more about later on. But thinking about what you do today, how do you describe that in one sentence? When someone meets you and says, hey, Dave, what do you do? What, what's your elevator pitch, so to speak? My current elevator pitch focuses in on Melbourne video production. So it's we help small and medium-sized businesses make web videos to market themselves online. And that's kind of where we target. We're kind of branching out a little bit now and getting uh, quite a few sort of resellers and people like web developers um, who are then taking the idea of uh, web video and then having that as a bit of an upsell to their clients. So the target market is changing slightly, but... Uh, I know that was probably a little bit longer than a one sentence. No, but... no, no, it's good. And just just in the interest of complete uh, transparency, you and I didn't talk about this elevator pitch before this interview, did we? No, not at all. But what's, Why? What's, well, Because what's really interesting is that you've just used the elevator pitch blueprint that I use and that I teach, and I'm sure you've heard this as well, but you, you basically said we help target audience do what it is you do to achieve benefit. So we help businesses yeah. use web video to market themselves online. Where did, yep. where did you come across that elevator pitch blueprint? I'm just I'm just curious as to how you you know why why that structure? What 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 works for you? Why why do you use that structure? Um it just seems most clear. I'm not even too sure where I came across it. Um, maybe similar to you, I'm a little bit of a, an information junkie. I also <laughs> like to apply the info, information as well. That's really important. But um just reading a lot of different marketing books. I think the idea of condensing it down uh, into the, the shortest possible sentence and being very clear. I mean, it's by no mistake that Melbourne Video Productions is called <laughs> Melbourne Video Productions. It says what it does straight out of the box. Yeah, that's and that, right. that's, that's my type of marketing. Yeah, yeah. It's, that's why we're called video user manuals. It's, you know, it's, not a, it's not a very creative name, but it does what it says on the tin. You know? There you go. Um, all right, what do you spend most of your time actually doing day to day? Um, like, like, are you behind the camera? Are you pushing the record button? Are you micing people up? What is it you're actually doing day to day as an entrepreneur? Uh, I think that's one of the reasons I liked going into the video space is because I don't know very much uh, technically about getting on the tools. I know the basics, uh, but I'm by no means a videographer. Um, my real skill is in marketing. So that's where I spend most of my time getting out there, marketing our business, getting the word out, building up. Uh, the authority of our business in the markets, like getting out there and whether it's speaking engagements or doing podcasts or creating useful content that will entice and attract our target market into to find out about our business. Hmm. Uh, we're going to talk a lot more about content a little bit later on. Do you miss kind of being on the tools? Like do you, do you, do you sometimes think it would just be easier if you were technically really good at one thing and that you just did that and someone else was kind of thinking about strategy and where the business was going? No, I've always had it in my DNA uh, to uh, grow business. Like for me, it doesn't really matter what business it is. I'm just fascinated and love the idea of uh, business and marketing business and what it takes and the development stages as 
all businesses have these different stages that they go through and you need to be a different entrepreneur at each stage to grow through to the next level. So I just love that game of growing and change. So, I mean, if I had to say what it is that my tools are, if I'm on tools, really it's, it's marketing. That's where I think mm. I've got, um, you know, my, my strongest skills. Mm. And uh, what's, what's the one thing that keeps you awake at night? My wife. <laughs> no, no. Can I say that? No, well, no. You, you just did. <laughs> um, the one thing that keeps me awake at night. Uh, typically, it, it really depends on what I'm working on at uh, any one point in time. So, I mean, the thing that I'm working on right now, whenever I go into workshop, workshop mode, because that's a big piece of the way that we market ourselves. Uh, we run these little workshops, we turn them into products, and then we cut those up and then syndicate them out across the web. And we find it's a great way to educate our target market. But when I go into workshop mode, I just, I try and consume as much information on what I'll be teaching as I can, just, just force it all in. And then I'll just, once I, I'm almost at full, I'll just sit down with a notepad and just smash it all out and then start working about it. So for me at the moment, what's keeping me awake at night is just thinking, oh, oh, yep, that, I, I need to make sure that I make that point or, oh, yep, I think this would fit in really well in module two or session two uh, and my mind kind of just ticks over like that. Do you have any tools that you use to park ideas like, you know, the whole getting things done kind of um, methodology where the idea is to get things out of your head and park them in a bucket somewhere so that you can come back to them later? Do you use like Evernote or something like that where you just park I'll show, stuff? I'll show you my Evernote 20. Oh. This is my, 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 my Evernote. Awesome. Old school. <laughs> yeah. But I, no, I use a thing also called Simple Note. Oh, yeah. Uh, which is just a real simple app yep. on my iPhone to capture stuff. Uh, I'm big on uh, just Notepad, so I'll I'm, I try and keep it as as lo-fi as possible. Yeah, and it's really just about capturing and making it as easy as I can to get it out of my head onto somewhere, and then later on I can order it and rework it. Nice. There's something to be said about pen and paper too, isn't there? There's something visceral about writing something down as opposed to typing it. It actually feels like it's out of the body more when you write it when you write it down with a pen. Yeah, I've heard people talk, uh, especially when they're talking about great uh, copywriters, you know, people who wrong, write big, long sales letters. And um, they often suggest, I think it might have even been Gary Halbert had suggested for people who wanted to learn copywriting to mm. take some of his best sales letters mm. and write them all out by mm. hand. Because mm. it's almost like you're, you're getting into the mind of mm. the person because they've most likely written it out as well. So it's kind of as close as you can get to being inside their head. Yeah. Fascinating. Um, what do you do when you're not working? How do you how do you kind of stay balanced and and you know chilled out? Um, I I think I had to keep bringing my wife up, but I will. <laughs> um, she's she's really good at uh, keeping me balanced. Like I think if I, I if we weren't together and uh, it, it's shown in my past that I can get very obsessed with work and mm. just work seven days a week from mm. the crack of dawn till late at night. I don't know how productive I am, mm. but I'm. I'm sitting in front of the desk. Uh, so outside of that, now that she gives me a bit of balance, we try and spend the weekends together and whether it's uh, catching up with family, she's big on family, or for me, I, I like uh, exercise type things. So mm. we just did a, a bike ride on the weekend and I love to snowboard. It's good to have those balanced things and I'm, I'm learning that more and more as I get a, a bit older. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Uh, okay, and this is like similarly to the question about what keeps you awake at night, um, if you could wave a magic wand and fix one thing in the business right now, what would it be? I think uh, for us right now, and again, I suppose it, it depends on where business is at. Uh, a lot of what I had done in the past with uh, my businesses uh, was because we used to do a lot more in the SEO space, all of the leads, once we generate the leads, would come through to me and I was the salesperson because I, I wanted to make sure that we didn't uh, overpromise to the client and then under deliver. And for that reason, I always had it in my head that, you know, I, I needed to be that person so I could properly screen the client, manage those expectations. Uh, but the business is changing now, SEO is changing, video is becoming a very important part of what we provide. And um, that side of the business is growing very strongly. So for us right now, I think getting a salesperson, the, the system that we've created for generating leads is incredibly strong. This, the content marketing and the use of web video, 
driving good quality traffic, pre-qualifying it to the site, getting the phone actually calling, all of that part of the business now is very much systemized. It's the, well, what happens once they call? Then we have that discussion with them before it gets handed back over to the team. So for me, uh, finding some really good quality salespeople or, or order takers who can grab them there and, and take them that last little bit to get me even further back so I can uh, continue to work on the business. Mm. Nice. You're big on systems, and we're going to talk about that a little bit too because I've learned a lot from you. Just Dave and I catch up every now and then and have lunch at a little Thai restaurant around the corner and just chatting about what's going on in the business, and I've learned a lot from just those conversations, and we're going to talk a little bit more about systems in a moment. Um, let's talk about SEO though. because So your business is Melbourne SEO, Productions, uh, Melbourne SEO Services and Melbourne Video Productions. So let's talk about SEO because you know there's been kind of the glory days of doing SEO for clients, and, and you keep saying that SEO is changing. How is SEO changing and how has that affected your service offering? Mm. So uh, I think about this as a philosophy or um, a fundamental truth about business is oftentimes there are these windows of opportunity that pop up. And as more and more people find out about these windows of opportunity, they start to close. So we saw that with SEO was a big, great opportunity and you could jump through and you could do it very badly and still do very well. Mm. But over time, <laughs> as Google gets smart and things sort of wisen up, same with, I mean, we see it with uh, when Facebook came out with their, their paid clicks. You could get some very cheap paid clicks, but that market is beginning to mature now and you just need to get better at it. And that's really what we're seeing with SEO now. You've, you've got to get better. The, a lot of the rules have still remained the same that Google is looking for. They're looking for great quality content created by authorities in a marketplace. And they're looking for that content to get shared around as an indicator that, yes, this is important and relevant information. So what we want to do now is think about, well, how, how do we ultimately give Google what they want um, by creating this good high quality content. Uh, but we also want to do it in the most cost effective manner. I think because people were trying to do it in the most cost effective manner, you know, three and, you know, a couple of years back now, they were cutting corners. Mm. And that's really what's made it changed uh, or what's changed. It's a lot harder to cut corners in SEO and it's coming around to bite people for those who did cut the corners. So now you want to think in terms of building up yourself as an authority because really that's where Google's going. Eric Schmidt has come out and made comments basically saying they will continue or they will see information as irrelevant if it's not assigned or attributed to an author in the future. That's where they want to go. They want to assign authorship to all bits of content. So with that in mind, we need to think about, well, how do we build our presence up uh, in the web? How can we create good quality content that gets shared around? Because SEO happens naturally when you're sharing great quality content. So how has it changed? Um, just less corner cutting and um, there's still a, a methodology and system that you can uh, follow, but uh, the rules can't be, um, it's never a good idea to have, you know, very hard and fast rules like, okay, start off by publishing five e-zine articles, then go over to these five web 2.0 properties and spin the articles and post them over here. You, you, it all comes back to thinking about uh, the value that you're trying to deliver and making sure that you deliver good value to your target market and quit thinking about Google so much uh, and, and thinking more about your client and serving them and then you'll find as long as you're following the good rules and you, you're getting some of the, the basics right for SEO as far as picking keywords and putting them in the right places, then then you'll do well and you'll you'll be creating SEO that lasts a lot longer. And that's, that's why now we're seeing SEO doesn't make sense for everybody anymore, uh, particularly when you're getting a paying for a done-for-you type service. Um, the cost of doing SEO and good SEO has increased. So you need to think, well, what is the product and service that I'm selling? How many of those products and services do I need to sell to reach break-even? And then you need to decide, well, does it make sense? Am I getting the best return on my investment for my marketing dollar if I invested into SEO or some other marketing channel? Mm. There's so much that you've touched on there that, you know, we could do like a series of podcasts about this because it's something that I'm really passionate about as well. I mean, getting found online is critical for business, but 
getting found by the right people and in the right channels is something that I think most people miss. And so you and I have had this conversation. We hear this from clients all the time. I just want to be you know, on page one of Google. And that's actually you don't want to be on page one of Google because if you're on page one of Google for the wrong search terms, you'll end up with a whole bunch of you know, dumb traffic that'll just increase your hosting costs and not mean anything to your business. But one of the things that, one of the obstacles that I come across all the time with clients and also with people in WP Elevation is this idea of being an authority. And so what I want to explore and, and get some insights from you is I hear this all the time from people who say, well, I, I'm not a writer. Um, I don't have your confidence to get in front of a camera or to host a podcast episode. I, I can't, I'm frightened of public speaking. I don't have the confidence to put on a workshop because I can't get up in front of people and speak. Uh, how do you get your clients over those hurdles? What what systems or practical things do you help them put in place to get them to take that first leap and get their head around the fact that if you don't position yourself or your organisation as an authority, you are just not going to win the game? Mm. Uh, I think the first thing that we need to do when I'm taking a client through that thought process is get them to understand where the puck is going to be. So where is the puck actually going? Where is the game going? And the game is heading towards this authoritative content. Uh, it's only going to become more and more important. The hardest thing to do with someone is to first get their attention. There's so much noise going on in the marketplace that step one is get the attention. Once you've got step one done, then you need to build trust. That's the second biggest hurdle you have to overcome, getting attention and then building trust. And of the 150 million things that you could be doing online, there's probably one or two things that are going to give you the biggest leverage. And I help them to understand that becoming an authority in a marketplace is one of those couple of things. Because if you do that, it ticks a whole lot of boxes. Mm. It starts to get people listening to you. So you overcome that attention problem. Uh, it opens up an ongoing discussion and got like dialogue with your target market. So you really need to do that. And obviously, it helps increase your conversion rate as well by being an expert in the space. So once they recognize that, hey, this is something that we need to do to stay relevant, uh, particularly as things become more and more crowded and the window of opportunity continues to close when it when it comes to marketing online, just because, I mean, new things will always come up, but more and more competition is also getting online. We're, we're talking, you know, a huge growth. Uh, so we need to make sure that we, we, we are in front of this and see where things are going. So firstly, I sell them on the idea on why they need to be an authority. Once they accept that, we talk about, well, what, what does it mean to be an authority? What, what are the characteristics that people have to look for to go, oh, that person is an authority? Now, there are a lot of different things, whether it's um, putting content, useful, helpful content out there, authorities do that, whether it's commenting on what's going on in the marketplace, having a body of work, having proof saying that, hey, you can deliver on your promises and whether it's client case studies or photos of you out in the industry and in the marketplace, we, we need to start collecting all of these things. I have a, uh, effectively a big long checklist of all of these things that I consider important to build authority. And then the way someone determines is that person or an authority is to, it's almost like um, adding up points from all of these different things. You know, you might have, you might get three points for um, having a workshop that you've run. You might get one point for having a well-filled-out About Us page. You might have one... And, and all of these points get added up until the point at which someone goes, oh, that person has got so much proof or there's, there's so much backing it up that clearly they are an authority. Now, that, that scale varies for some people. Like, it might take someone uh, a fewer amount of points to, to trust and then go, oh, this person is an authority. And other people... Um, it might take them longer and more bits of information. So really what we want to be doing is making sure that we've got so much information out there that it becomes, without a shadow of a doubt, this person is an authority. And that takes time. It's not something that you can just do overnight. You need to decide that's where I want to go and then you need to start working towards it. I mean, I've got a website I call DaveRaves.com, which is a collection of 
over at least 150 different testimonials from all clients that I've worked with over a many number of years. And that's something that I've just been collecting because, (laughs) and this is not something that you can just manufacture. This is something that is a slow organic process. Uh, And I look back on that now, but, uh, and go, wow, that, that was, I'm so glad that I did it because now it really helps to position me. If someone's on the edge or if they're thinking, should I do business with, with Dave, I'll try and find a client that is similar to the person I'm trying to sell. So let's say we're, we're making a video for a celebrity. We just shot a short video with the twins from the block. Awesome. Um, and, and I got a video testimonial from them uh, talking about how great the experience was and how they were unsure at first and their hesitation, and but they decided to go ahead and do it anyway. And now that they had, they were so happy that they did do it. And, and that sort of proof is what someone needs to start thinking about. Once they accept that they need to be an authority, then they understand well, what steps do I need to take to get to an authority? Then it's about coming up with the action plan to get there. And there's any number of hurdles and things that someone needs to come over to go, uh, or or if someone wants to find an excuse why they shouldn't be an an authority in a space, they'll find it. Mm. Hey, I don't like speaking in front of an audience. I could never run a webinar. I could never do an interview. I mean, they'll come up with the excuses. But for every excuse, I've got an answer for. Um, just running the workshop, even just by orchestrating and running the workshop, if you get other speakers to come in and speak at that workshop, you can still run a workshop and it can still be sponsored by your business and that can help position your business as an authority in the marketplace. I would highly recommend that that person speaks and I think that's it's really important because oftentimes you'll get the most growth from doing things that make you feel uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. But, but if, you, if you really want to you know, say, no, I don't want to do that, look, there's other ways we can approach it first until you build up the confidence. Uh, and then I would you know, subtly push them <laughs> and say, yes, you should be doing this. Yeah. It's great, that you, it's great that you recognize that someone might have a problem or someone might have a challenge with you know, running a webinar, for example. So you know, they can just host the webinar and have another authority come in and present kind of on their behalf or to their audience. But just hosting the webinar means that it's kind of that they're facilitating this learning from this expert to their audience. And it still positions them as someone who is an authority in the field because they have access to these experts and they're facilitating this, this, uh, this learning um, opportunity. So it's good that you, it's good that, you know, you don't just throw your hands in the air and say, oh, well, if you're not prepared to get on video, you're not going to be an authority that you've actually thought that through and you have some structure in place to help people get over those hurdles. Yeah, I think, uh, and that comes from working with lots of different businesses. We've got a lot of uh, SEO clients in Melbourne SEO services, and we've really had to coach those businesses through the changes in SEO. Mm. And we get it all the time, these people coming to us, trying to approach SEO with old methodologies. Mm. And it's it's we need to re-educate them and help them to understand that the game has changed. There's no point in sitting there, you know, whinging and crying about what's happened in the past. You need to update the methodologies and strategies and get on with the game. The game is continuing. So, mm. um, I, yeah, I think I've, I've come up against just about every hurdle and objection under the sun. <laughs> and mm. that's what's helped me to think about, okay, well, ha- how would I answer this if I was in their shoes? Mm. There's an interesting thing that I hear a lot too, which is that there's a, there's a kind of a um, an idiom, if you like. I don't know whether it is an idiom or a mantra. Someone will correct me in the comments, hopefully. Um, that those who can do, those who can't teach. And when I was at uh, when I was at university for those uh, those glorious eight months that I attended university, uh, we extended that because I was basically I was basically at teachers' college. I was learning to become a, a drama teacher. And there was this idiom that, that said uh, that we extended to say those who can do, those who can't teach, and those who can't teach, teach teachers. <laughs> so, so, but what I come across all the time is, oh, well, you know, if you were so good at this stuff, why would you be teaching us? You'd just be doing it yourself and making lots of money. And that's something that I'm like, I've kind of had that thought too when you go to like 
property investment seminars and you know some guys teaching you how you can make millions of dollars out of property investing and it's only going to cost you seven and a half thousand dollars to sign up to his you know private university and he'll show you how to do it on someone else's money and I'm like well if it was that if it was that easy and you're that good at it why are you teaching us to do it how do you over like have you ever had that objection and if so how yeah. do you overcome it uh I think I, I used to come from the stock market education space. That was that book right. that I wrote with uh, with my business partner many moons ago. And that was a constant question that would pop up, which is, okay, if you're so successful trading the stock market, why don't you just trade the stock market and why are you doing this education-based thing? Uh, and a few sort of key distinctions have, have developed with me over time. Firstly, to take a learning to the next level and to fully understand it, you you need to teach it. Yeah. There's there's no way to fully embrace something and understand it and come from it in all facets and have a think about how you can say the same thing with multiple different definitions so that someone gets it and it takes it to the extra sort of deep level. So for me, it's really important to be the best example of what I teach. So. We teach, but also we're out there doing. That's why we've got Melbourne Video Production. That's why we've got Melbourne SEO Services. So I can really just keep sharpening my saw and um, you know getting out there and actually doing it. And also working with uh, different clients, I get the insight that I get into growing my own business by seeing inside all of these other businesses and identifying the same problems that keep bubbling up and go, oh, I recognize that. That's the same problem that someone's got over here. And you start to identify these things. And uh, because I'm so dead set on being the best example of what it is that I teach, by working with different clients in this capacity, it just it drives me to keep refining and honing and bettering our systems and everything because I don't want to be a, um, you know, do as I say, not as I do. So f for me, it's it's all it's part of the process. Um, with respect to specifically the stock market as well, when people used to ask that, I I would let them know that there are three different vehicles for for developing wealth. You've got trading the stock market, you've got business, and then you've got real estate. So trading the stock market is just one of the three. And if you focused in on just that one, you're foregoing these other things and not giving yourself the best chance of success and you're not diversifying and you're not you're missing out on big chunks of wealth um, there's there's something to be said for the education game and, and I, I uh, the other huge thing actually there's quite a few things that bubble up was um, the way that I run workshops particularly for education uh, and the workshop that you mentioned we're running on the 16th that you're coming to I do it for staff training as well so I actually document these workshops and record them so future staff members and current staff members can attend and people get trained on my methodologies. So I, I use it as a way to, to document what I'm doing. So that's another real key as to, to why I share this information. And it's like burning the bridges. If I share my best stuff, I've got to go out there and innovate. I've got to create new great stuff because, you know, I've just burnt my bridges and, and, and all of that stuff's now in the past now. I've got to come up with something better. Mm. So it, it, it's a real driving mechanism for me. Mm. Ed Dale, uh, who, who you, you know, Ed Dale mentored me for six months and said, you know, he said to me, if you think you know something, teach it. Because, you, you know, teaching, it, teaching something will, it's like a magnifier and an amplifier. It'll, it'll magnify all the things that you all the weaknesses in your methodology and it will amplify them a thousand times and then, then you know what to focus on and you know what it is that you need to refine in your process. Um, I'm, I don't know if I'm supposed to let this out, this cat out of the bag, but it's okay because this recording's not going to go live until the 15th. But Ed's going to come and do a session at the workshop. So awesome. He's, uh, yeah, so it should be good. Awesome. I won't publish this until then. Um, uh, okay, well, gee, what do we talk about now? Um, let's talk about... Um, Let's just go back in time a little bit and talk about the MCG. Uh, so what, what, t for those that don't know, what the hell happened with the MCG? <laughs> Tell us the story. <laughs> I sold it for $24.95. <laughs> uh, basically, I was reading a book called The One Minute Millionaire, which taught 
talked about a, a gentleman called Paul Hartunian who sold the Brooklyn Bridge uh, back in the 80s. And what he did was they were doing some renovations on the Brooklyn Bridge. He got his hands on a whole lot of the discarded wood, wrote up a press release saying New Jersey man sells the Brooklyn Bridge for 1995 and sent it out to the media and they just went completely crazy and nuts and he just took all of this discarded wood, chopped it up into little pieces, stuck it to certificate paper and then sent it out um, and the media just gobbled the story up. So here I was reading this story and then I drove past the MCG when they were doing the renovations on the Ponsford stand, uh, which is one of their sort of very well-known stands because they had the real green wooden seating that everybody used to know. It was just sort of synonymous with the MCG and um, they had a members room with this MCC crested carpet. So it was very iconic. And I went to the wreckers and got myself a whole lot of this discarded wood and carpet and then basically turned it into memorabilia uh, wrote a press release, sent it out, got picked up on the um, Today Show in the Herald Sun, uh, MX, um, which is a little newspaper on on um, uh, the train, and then and, uh, also Nova Radio, um, just got picked up all over the place. And it was just, for me, that was, I suppose, my first break into this entrepreneurial world. But I, I started to recognize the difference between a promotion and a business. And really what uh, the MCG was, it was just a little promotion. It was a spike. I got all of this attention and everything was great and I felt like six feet tall and bulletproof. But then the media attention died out and all I was left with was a big pile of wood that was sitting in my mum's garage and uh, figuring out, well, what do I, I do now? I had a little bit of extra cash um, and um, sort of taking that and then reinvesting that elsewhere. But that whole experience for me was probably... Uh, yeah, one of those early defining moments for me to know that um, when you've got a great idea, you, just, you have to act on it straight away. Mm. It's like the physical version of content marketing too, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Please, explain further. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, like, well, I mean, you actually had the content. But you, like you had, you had, I mean, you can't get any more, you can't get any more content than actual physical bits of an icon like the MCG yeah. that was that you took and you sliced it and diced it up into smaller True, pieces of memorabilia. Yeah. It's like yeah, running yeah. a workshop and then slicing and dicing it up into YouTube videos and an audio podcast and a transcript for blog posts. And you, you, you had that kind of foresight to take the bigger picture and slice it up into bite-sized chunks and sell those at a price point that made sense. You know what I mean? I've, I have never heard this idea. And I think that right there is the perfect segue to allow me to tell that story at the workshop. I was thinking go. about how am I going to tie it in? There you go. That's it. Awesome. This, you can have that one, mate. <laughs> <laughs> um, brilliant. Okay. So uh, let's talk about um, uh, – there's a couple of things I want to talk about before we get to our elevation round. I want to talk about – the notion of compelling content because we hear this all the time, right? So I was at a, a full day masterclass with um, with um, Nick, who's small business manager at Facebook, about twelve months ago up in Sydney with Dale Beaumont at a Business Blueprint conference. And Nick was saying, Nick Bowditch was saying, you know, he gets people, he gets business owners calling him up all the time, saying, oh, you know, why I'm posting to Facebook? Why is nobody commenting or engaging with my content? And his answer is, well, because your content is shit and your content needs to be better, right? So, which is yeah, yeah, which is very helpful. Um, but so my question is, how do you define what is compelling content? Like, how do you take, how do you look a business owner in the eye and say, in all seriousness, and with all due respect, nobody really cares about your About Us page yet. They might care about it at some point, but when they first discover you, they don't care about your business or the fact that it's been in the family for 15 years or the fact that, you know, your grandmother's still making soup out the back and she's been there for, you know, like nobody cares. What they care about is what's in it for them and you have to get their attention and telling your bleeding heart family story is not going to get their attention right now. That might be something that they engage with later on once they're a raving fan and a very loyal customer. Mm -hmm. How do you get business owners to understand what compelling content is? And in fact, what is compelling content? Uh, we go through this thought process when we're going to run a workshop, let's say, um, and creating compelling content because I always find that's a great seed for creating compelling content. I always start with a workshop or some video, like you said, that then gets split up. So the way that we think about it is thinking about our target market, thinking about what it is that they're thinking about just prior to becoming 
a client or even getting on our radar. So if we get into their mind and think about, well, what is it that they're looking for on the web? It's almost like I try and swim upstream to think before, well, what is it that they're looking for? And then I try and create content that's relevant and interesting to them at that point. That way I get their attention at, at the point where they're just about to come our client, I help them, I provide something of value, then I try and encourage them to get into some ongoing conversation with me, whether it's through social media or hopping onto a newsletter, and then I can continue to market to them and keep in front of mind at, until the point at which they decide, yes, I want to do business with Dave, you know, he is an authority in his space, and I, I want to get the great results that I can see all of these other people have had. So in the live application of that, let's say that you were running some sort of wedding-related business. Maybe you were a uh, reception venue. What you might do is think about, okay, well, what is it that someone is thinking about just prior to choosing a reception venue? Maybe they're thinking about, how do I run a dream wedding? So maybe you create a workshop around running a dream wedding, and you might even create content from uh, you get other experts that we were talking about. So you don't just need to speak, be the only one talking, because how are you going to have an entire workshop talking about choosing the right venue and have a, a full eight-hour seminar? That's it's going to, you know, you'll probably say what you need to say in 30 minutes. So, but you can get other partners and people who also will be looking for the same target market or who also already have your target market as a client. And if you get them involved in this content creation, this idea of running some sort of workshop, that can be a, a real great way to create something useful and valuable to your target market at the right point in time. That, that's one way to do it. Um, there's a few other ways that we do it. Um, one of my personal favorites is uh, this idea of documenting a process or a procedure through a workshop. So when I think of the way that we build our teams or the way that we do web video or SEO or we often run a workshop on that particular topic and I will share exactly what we do. And then we market it typically because oftentimes there are two people, especially if you're a service provider, there are people who want to have it done for them and people who want to do it themselves. So I actually market the workshop to the do-it-yourself type person. Come along and learn how to do it. And then later on, sometimes those do-it-yourselfers go, oh, wow, now I actually realize what it is that you do and I can see the value because I understand the process and the methodology. I'm happy to pay to have you do it. And then for those who are the done for you and they might not attend the workshop, when we use it for marketing out there, they're sitting there going, wow, if he's teaching other people to do it, clearly he's an expert and authority. I want to work with an expert and authority. So it also helps there. Or maybe someone comes to us and they can't quite afford our services because you never want to market yourself as the cheapest. Um, it, it's, it's not the best marketing strategy to win clients that way. I want clients to work with us because we help solve their problems and we do it in an excellent way. So for those people, if they come to us and then they can't afford us, then I've got a fantastic downsell as well. I can say, hey, you can't afford us, but here's the do-it-yourself home study version. So, I mean, there's, there's just two. I mean, we'll go into the different ways that we do it. That's what the workshop's all about. Mm. Um, but that, that, there's two great thought processes on how to create that content, that compelling content that will attract the right target market to you. I love it. Jo uh, John Janch in the Referral Engine book, he talks about uh, working out who your target market is and asking yourself, where are they coming from before they visit me? And where are they going to after they visit me? So if you're a mm. pools and spas shop, they might be coming from a landscape gardener and they might be going to a decking place. And you need to align yourself with the landscape gardener and the decking place to create some content and start selling how amazing your lifestyle will be once you renovate and transform your outdoor living area. And no longer are you trying to sell pools and spas, but you're teaming up with other people who are in that channel and you're selling something that's greater than the sum of the parts and you can share the workload and share the audience with those referral mm -hmm. partners. It's, I love it. It's really it's fantastic. Thinking. Yeah. 
Um, brilliant. Okay, talk to me very quickly about a remote team. How important do you think it is to build a team? And what are the because you have you've had a lot of success with with insourcing, as you call it, uh, building a remote team. So how important is it to build a team? And what, why do you think building a remote team is is beneficial when you're starting out? Yeah, uh, I think someone will very quickly recognize after doing a little bit of work that uh, in business, you can't do everything yourself. <laughs> There's just not enough time in the day. There's too many things that need to be well, done. Well, you can try, but you just have a meltdown, don't you? <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, so avoid the meltdown, build yeah. a team. Yeah. Um, so I, I think people recognize that, hey, they, they need someone to support themselves to do it. So once you first come to that conclusion, then the next question is, okay, well, what is the most effective way for me to build this team? Now, we are in a an interesting position. Uh, we're, we're very fortunate to be living in Australia. Uh, we have a great standard of living. Um, and with that comes also a high labor cost. Uh, because uh, the cost of living here in Australia is quite high, then obviously we need to have mm. high labor costs. Mm. Now, the labor cost typically in a business, in especially a service-based business, is going to be the, the biggest expense you're going to have is the labor. Now, if it's bricks and mortar, sometimes it's the rent. Mm. But um, if, if it's a service-based business, it's the labor. So anything that we can do that gives us a competitive advantage in one of our biggest costs or expenses within a business is something that you need to pay attention to. Now, we're living in a very connected world and you and I actually ran the mm. webinar. It's in WP Elevation, so people yep. should dig it out, mm. uh, where we talked about some of these virtual team building strategies and we talk about why it's so important. But it, it just gives business owners the margin for error that they need to build a business mm. because it's, it's very... Uh, very difficult getting a business off the ground. Most businesses go broke and those first few years are, are, the, are particularly the most difficult. So if we can give ourselves a little bit of extra wiggle room and a little extra space, um, then we should jump on that. And a great way to do that is by lowering labor costs. Now, what I'm talking about is identifying, uh, identifying and finding the best people for a task uh, in your business, no matter where they're located. Mm. They, they may be here in Australia or you might find them offshore shore as well. There's plenty of different countries where the cost of living is lower. So it, it obviously means that their wage costs can be lower as well. Mm. Sometimes there's a little bit of a roadblock that people have to get over because they sit there and they think, oh, you know, you shouldn't be shifting everything offshore. That's damaging the local economy. But that really couldn't be further from the truth because mm. uh, businesses, as they start to do well, they can uh, afford to spend more. So here in Australia, I probably run at about 50-50, 50% local staff to 50% uh, staff offshore. And I couldn't have grown to the size that I am right now without having that competitive advantage mm. as far as building a virtual team. That's exactly right. I've never heard someone articulate it like that before. Um, I had huge mental blocks when I started out in business, you know, seven or eight years ago, and we now have a virtual team of three in the Philippines, and we've just employed someone three days a week here in Melbourne, which I could never have got to that point unless we had the team in the Philippines helping us grow the business. Uh, and it's a, and you know, so when you when you talk about you know offshoring uh, jobs, we're actually not. We're it's it's helping us grow to a point where we can start employing local as well because I. Th I, I believe there are benefits of having someone in the local time zone, sitting in your office face-to-face -face, having a conversation, and I also believe there are benefits of employing people in economies where the labour costs aren't as high and they aren't... I mean, I, it's just impossible and uh, crippling and debilitating for me to try and employ the same amount of staff here in Melbourne as we've got split between here and the Philippines. I, it just wouldn't happen. I, we just could not do it. It's impossible. Uh, but I've never heard someone articulate it the way you articulate it then, so... Uh, well done for that. And if you want to know more about insourcing and building remote teams, get in touch with Dave. I'll leave, leave some links in the show notes because you've got product. You've got outsourcing profit machine. You've got whole products and workshops and recordings devoted to this kind of stuff. So if anyone's interested in learning more about building remote teams, I'll leave some links in the show notes. All right, let's get into the elevation round um, uh, quickly. Um, the other thing that I just, before we get into the elevation round, the other thing I want to let people know is that if you're interested at all in learning how to build systems and processes in your business, I'll put some links in the show notes under here as to how you can get in touch with Dave because he is the master at not only building systems in the business, but actually designing systems for building systems. And 
when Dave taught me the system for building systems, it, it's so obvious, it blew my mind, and, but I'd never thought of it. So get in touch with Dave if you can and have a conversation because there's lots of, um, you'll learn a lot from just uh, following this guy. Anyway, let's get into the Elevation Round. The Elevation Round, for those that don't know, WP Elevation is the world's first business accelerator designed specifically for WordPress consultants. And in this round, I'm going to ask Dave a series of quick questions about being a freelancer or a consultant. And Dave is going to give us some quick, mind-blowing answers, hopefully. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's do it. What's the number one thing any consultant or freelancer needs to know? Um, make sure that you focus on delivering value through to your clients. Nice. What's the best thing you've ever done to find new customers? Joint venture with people who already have my target market. Oh, that's gold. I love it. How do you stop competing on price? Position yourself as an authority. Yep. Uh, any tips on writing better proposals? Uh, do them quickly. If a client is ready to buy now and they're asking, hey, send me a proposal, uh, that should be of highest priority. Nice. Strike while the iron's hot. Um, Favourite tool or system for CRM? We use nutshell.com, mm. which uh, seems to be working quite well. We are experimenting with Entreport as well. But mm. uh, from a sales perspective and from uh, getting a salesperson plugged in, we're finding Nutshell is, is fantastic. Cool. I haven't heard of that one. We'll definitely check it out. What's the best way to keep a project and a client on track? Uh, two ways uh, to keep a project on track. I would be using a thing uh, called Asana or some sort of project management tool. That's yep. the best way to keep the project on track. As far as keeping the client on track, I think sending weekly updates or at bare minimum fortnightly updates to a client. Be proactive with your communication with clients rather than having them come and tap you on the shoulder and say how things are going. You need to be just keeping them informed. Yeah, it's interesting. I've just built into our business one of our um, success metrics. If a client contacts us to find out how a project's going, we failed. Um, so it's, Good, yeah, yeah. it's interesting that you say that. Um, any ideas for getting referrals from your existing customers? Uh, ask them once you've delivered the product or service or they've been working with you for a little while, ask them for some sort of testimonial or if it's okay to use them in a case study. Uh, once they say that, they will reinforce all of the good reasons why they chose you and what the experience was like. And then once they've told you that, obviously, uh, the next logical step after that is to ask them, do they have any, anyone that they know that might benefit from your services? Out of curiosity, how do you feel about paid referral um, programs? Uh, I, we, yeah, I, I think it needs to be disclosed. Um, I, I think that there needs to be mutual win-win. I, I don't mind it. I don't mind it. Um, I think you can build it with or without. Um, I don't think it's necessary. I, I think the reason people refer is more so so they look good. Mm. So if you give them a great experience and their referral a great experience, they actually win out of that transaction because yep. then they can turn around to their friend and say, yeah, I referred you them and uh, yeah, 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 clearly I'm in the know. Um, so... Doing that is probably the best thing that you can do. But some people do like little kickbacks. I think thank yous are nice. We'll send out a six-pack or a bottle of wine or little gifts like that. I've got one that I often do, which is gold-class tickets because people yeah. like going to the movies, but um, yeah. not that often will they actually go to gold-class. Well, I don't know. Maybe some people do. They only go to gold-class. But qu quite a few people, I think it's that's just, you know, high-end movie tickets for mm. those who are unfamiliar with gold class. That's nice. I like that one. Uh, what's the number one thing you can do to differentiate yourself? Uh, the number one thing that you can do to differentiate yourself is run little workshops and become an authority. <laughs> can I say that again? You can. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, awesome. That's uh, the Elevation Round. Thank you very much for that. So um, before we announce the competition, just tell us, because the competition is a recording of the workshop that Dave is running on the 16th of May, which if all goes well and our systems work will be tomorrow, because this will go live on the 15th of May, which is uh, like, you know, 10 days from now. Um, tell us a little bit about the workshop in like, you know, 60 seconds or less. What are people going to learn from this workshop? Uh, the workshop is about giving people a step-by-step -step process for becoming an authority in a marketplace. It's the evolution of 
what I see SEO. So I, I almost hesitate to call it SEO because it's much more than that. But it's a process. Uh, step one, do this. Step two, do that. Step three, do this. Step four, do that. The outcome will be you positioning yourself as the leader in the marketplace and getting market share and starting to attract clients to you. Really, that's the aim of the game and what people should be focusing on. And it's got long-term impact and benefit. When you see the way that some people were cutting the corners with old SEO and putting out rubbish content that Google ultimately just decided, hey, it's adding no value here and then got rid of it. All of the time, effort and money that people invested into creating that content is now worth nothing. Hmm. So you want to invest in things that have a long-term benefit. And regardless of what ends up happening with Google, who knows if Facebook overthrows Google and you know people stopped using Google, if you've still built yourself up as an authority, no matter what happens in whatever marketplace, that's still a, a hugely important asset that you've built, something that will have lasting benefit. And you want to focus on, on building assets that have lasting benefit. Mm, awesome. Okay, so we're gonna. Here's the deal. We're gonna give away. Dave is gonna give away a recording of this workshop. Uh, so the full shebang, the the video, the audio, everything you need, uh, just like you were there at the workshop. Uh, it's value. The the workshop sells for four ninety four ninety five. These recordings are typically sell for three ninety five. So it's a three hundred ninety five dollar prize we're giving away. And here's the deal. You need to leave a link underneath this video, and you need to show us a video that you have created. Uh, and it needs to be one that you've created as of today. It can't be one that you've had, you know, knocking around for three years. And so it needs to be a video that you've created that helps position you as an authority in your marketplace. So it might be a podcast like this. It might be a very simple video walkthrough or a screencast. Any type of video content that you've created to help position yourself as an authority in your marketplace. It doesn't matter how bad the production qualities are or how quickly you've knocked it together. We just want you to get off your seat and take some action and do some work. So leave a link under this this video we're going to run a little can I, can I add a little yes, condition please and um, the only condition is I would uh, I think people that are going to get the most benefit from this is not someone who is already consistently just pumping out videos and podcasts and things like that try and use this video as a chance to inspire you to go right I need to become an authority and I'm going to take the first step no matter how uncomfortable it is and that's that's ideally the person that uh, I, I would like to award this awesome prize to. fantastic and we'll get Dave to swing by in a few weeks and award the uh, prize to the winner so I hope that has inspired you to you know get off your butts and start making some video uh, politely all right Dave what is the future of uh, what's the future of the web consulting industry as you see it I think the future, we're seeing a lot more competition come into the space and a lot more noise. So the, the future really is about creating high, a high quality product or service that is tailored for your target market. I think that's where people should be focusing and creating good quality stuff and really becoming an authority, authority. in the marketplace. Yeah. I think, yeah, that's that's where the web is going now. It's... it's um, there's so much noise and you need to do what you can to break above that. Rather than being a generalist, becoming an, a specialist or an authority. It's like I always say this. It's like this is why heart surgeons are more expensive than GPs because GPs are general practitioners whereas heart surgeons specialize in doing one thing and they do it really well. That's why they can charge the fees that they get paid. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, the the work between doing one or the other, it's the same yeah. level of work. Yeah. It's just making sure you pick what you're working on and work on yeah. the right things. Yeah. There, I, my, one of my girlfriends in high school, her stepdad was a motor mechanic, right? But he only serviced Saabs and Citrons. So his workshop had... You know, big sign up the top, Saab and Citron specialist. And if you and he if he like had a three month wait list, right, to work on your car. If you pulled into his workshop in a Falcon, a Ford Falcon, or a Holden Commodore, or a Toyota, or a Mitsubishi, he'd just walk out and he'd point to the sign, and he'd say, "Mate, I can't help you. I don't even know how those cars operate. Sorry, mate, I'm Saabs and Citrons only." Right? <laughs> he was never short of work. Had a three month wait list. I was just, I that used to is... watch him just go. This guy knows exactly what he's good at, <laughs> and he's not interested in doing anything else. That's, I love that. Yeah. That's, I mean, that that explains it to a T. Because if you had to choose between the person who knew Saab and the person who didn't know Saab yep. to service your car, who are you going to go to? Exactly. 
Awesome. Hey, um, just before we wrap up, what's the number one piece of advice you would give any entrepreneur trying to build their own business? I think I know the answer to this question. <laughs> <laughs> number one piece of advice is to start collecting proof and position yourself as an authority and start doing it yesterday. Yeah. So go talk to your past clients, start collecting this stuff yeah. and just get so much proof that it's undeniable that you're the expert. That's really where you want to be playing. Yeah. Fantastic. Uh, where can people reach out and say thanks for this, Dave? Uh, you can head over to melbourneseoservices.com or melbournevideoproduction.com.au. Beautiful. So that's production as in singular? Yeah, we own both and okay. I probably should have gone for the plural, <laughs> but we did go production and then no. we started our work on that. So either is fine. Perfect. Uh, and finally, who would you like me to try and interview and why? Uh the two people come to mind. I think uh, choosing someone, thinking about who your target market is and thinking once someone builds a WordPress site, what should they be thinking about? They should be thinking about how else can I help service this client and, and help them achieve their goals and objectives. So once a website is built, because you're dealing with website consultants, what should they be looking for? Obviously, web video, that's a great one, but they should also probably look at how can that person market the website. So maybe it's AdWords. Mike Rhodes is the guru when it comes to AdWords. He's pretty much the, the biggest guy on AdWords here in Australia and potentially uh, give him a few more years and, and I'd even say he'll take on the world. Wow. Uh, the other one is uh, Tim Reed from Small Business Big Marketing. Yeah. And he is a specialist when it comes to marketing business. And that would be absolutely perfect both for the WordPress consultants for themselves but then also for um, their clients as well. As they're building websites, these clients need to know how to market themselves. Mm. So giving tools and techniques, I think both of those guys would be a good fit. Perfect. Well, Tim Reed just added me on Google Plus this morning. So uh, Mike, Mike Rhodes and Tim Reed, look out for your uh, an email in your inbox shortly. I'm coming to get you, courtesy of Dave Jennings. Uh, Dave, thank you once again very much for being on the WP Elevation podcast and being so generous with your time and your knowledge. I really appreciate it. And I wish you all the best for the future. And I look forward to seeing you very soon at the Authority Content Workshop here in Melbourne. Thanks, Troy. It's been fun. Cheers. Well, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Dave Jennings as much as I enjoyed making it. Uh, of course, this episode of the podcast is brought to you by Obox Mobile. You can check out the video walkthrough of this plugin and get your hands on some resources and learn how this very simple plugin uh, available at Code Canyon for only $35 can help you drive more revenue and add a completely new service offering to your business. It helps you make mobile friendly versions of your website, not to be confused with responsive websites. These are mobile friendly websites that look and feel more like a native app and are a little bit more useful to mobile users than a straight up responsive site. So check out wpelevation.com slash oboxmobile. That's O-B-O-X-M-O-B-I-L-E for a video walkthrough uh, as to how that plugin can help you add more revenue to your WordPress consulting business. Uh, of course, subscribe to the podcast at wpelevation.com slash subscribe. Uh, again, many apologies for the state that I'm in at the moment after walking 100 kilometers on the weekend to raise money for Oxfam. I'm in so much pain, I cannot tell you. Uh, I can barely stand up, let alone walk. Um, visit the, the show notes, get everything, all the links and all the resources we spoke about in the interview with Dave at wpelevation.com slash David Jennings. That's D-A-V-I-D-J-E-N-Y-N-S, David Jennings. That's all one word, uh, all lowercase, no hyphens or spaces. And remember to make your video that, uh, that Dave spoke about if you're really uncomfortable making video, now's a great time to do it. The more uncomfortable you are, the more growth and the more evolution you'll get in the business. Make your video that is going to help you start positioning yourself as an authority in your marketplace. You don't have to stand in front of the camera. You don't have to make a podcast like I do. You can just make a video walkthrough of something that you know about. Make a video, leave a link under our video to your video and I'll get Dave to swing by in a few weeks and award the prize. And leave any other comments under the video and tell us what you learned from uh, from this video and uh, any other guests that you'd like to see on the podcast. Speaking of which, next week, our guest on the WP Elevation podcast is Jason Shuler from Press 75. You may also know him from Leaflets, Droplets, uh, or his new venture, Cinematico. We're going to learn a lot more about that. Until next time, go elevate. <laughs>